This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Contract down five cents at 524 per bushel. Although early yield reports are mixed and that is keeping some caution in the corn market. France's corn crop was rated at 89% good to excellent in a report out of that country, while farmers in Argentina are making progress seeding their next corn crop. Wheat, it is steady to lower the uh, with some of the largest losses in the winter wheats. Minneapolis only down a penny in the December contract at 9.05 per bushel, but Kansas City down 5 cents in December at 7.15 per bushel, and Chicago wheat down 3 cents in December at 7.10 per bushel. While Canada's small crop remains a supportive influence, world wheat supplies remain large, with Australia looking at its second bumper crop in a row. That's a look at the ice futures and U.S. markets for Friday, September 17th. In Winnipeg, for Markets Farm, I'm Phil Franz-Warkenton. When it comes to baling, the denser, the better. Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John can show you how roll belt round balers produce denser and higher quality round bales that drive down your production costs while driving up the nutrition of your bales. A competitive comparison showed that New Holland roll belt round balers provide savings in net wrap, transportation, and lower storage losses. It's like being able to afford a new baler every other year. Stop by Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John soon to learn firsthand about the benefits of roll Belt Round Bailers. The opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station. If you've missed any of this show, you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Welcome to another episode of the show. It's our final episode of coverage of the candidates running in the federal election here in Prince George, Peace River, and Northern Rockies. So, a little later on, we'll be talking to Amir Alavi, the Liberal Party candidate, and Catherine Kendall, the candidate for the Green Party. But first, we're joined now from Prince George by the candidate who represents Canada's fourth front, Phil Kukin. Phil, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank Thanks you for having me. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. So I have to start with this. Uh, the candidates forum, the all candidates forum for Fort St. John was held just a few nights ago. And it kind of ended on a bit of a sour note as you made some fairly controversial comments about reconciliation uh, near the end there. And I want to give you the opportunity uh, to address some of those comments. Uh, you said residential schools happened a long time ago. And you also said you were suspicious about the timing of the uh, the news of the unmarked graves coming out, and seemingly as it was maybe some sort of a liberal plot or something like that. Um, I, I just wanted to give you a moment to address that, if you could. If you want more to say about that or, or, or something sure, along those yeah, lines. yeah, that's no problem. I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, why now? Why did they bring this out now? You know, it is well known. It's been broadly publicized in the media nationally that the Justin Trudeau Liberals paid the media $61 million. And uh, it's awful mysterious that all this was coming out while some very controversial things were happening in government. And one of those things, of course, is the uh, 
$400 billion liberal deficit, some of the spending and other issues. I believe that they pulled it out simply as a diversion to divert attention from what they are doing. And then the next thing you know, we have this, uh, well, you know, it's been described as, um, well, an act of snobbery, if you will. Justin Trudeau wants a majority government and uh, pandemic be darned. He's going to have one. And, you know, I'm hoping it turns out be an egg on his face because what a horrible time to call one. And if there was going to be one, why now? Why not the beginning of the pandemic? I mean, why is now better than then? Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't look at this or acknowledge it. I'm just saying the timing is highly suspicious. And um, how do you feel about it? I mean, do you think it's a little suspicious that this was brought up all of a sudden? Well, Phil, I, I do want to ask you about something else you said uh, as well, uh, kind of around that same time. On the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, uh, you mentioned that uh, you uh, thought or you'd read a, a report that suggested that many of them were living a high-risk lifestyle. Again, I mean, do you want to address what uh, you mean by that? And, and, and Sure, those sure. I, I have the Internet at my fingertips, just like everybody else. And I went online, and I read Wally Opal's report. They did an, an inquiry into missing and murdered Aboriginal women, and this is what they found. And the other thing that was really interesting, I was cut off. I was called a racist, which... I think liberals need to use a dictionary to find out what the word means. Uh, it means that you think your race is better than others. I don't think that. But I, am, I have a voracious appetite for information and facts. So I went on to, and I checked Wally Opal's inquest, and what he found was that the solve rate for missing or for Aboriginals and, and murders is actually higher than for Caucasians. And the strange thing about that is that, do you know, for example, that the number one murderer of other Caucasians is Caucasian people, and it is the same with First Nations, it is the same with black people, it is the same with Hispanic. It's because that's who we are mostly involved with in our well, life. Well, Phil, what I will is. say is that the national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls does not say that. It does mention a high-risk ri uh, lifestyle, perhaps, but it is part Fair of enough. a more complex and systemic issue. So yeah. my question to you is, do, why do you think that's all it is, is a high-risk lifestyle, and that there isn't a broader... Um, uh, perhaps even racist uh, institutional problem that's going on that we need to address? Well, I mean, you know, I've heard this implied many times. I mean, for example, the prison inmate population is dramatically over-represented over by Aboriginals. And um, is that uh, a question of racism or is there more to it? I would simply ask Canadians to, you know, study into it more. Look at everybody has the internet at their fingertips. Try and find out what's really going on. And, you know, there's more than one answer. And, you know, the liberals, I believe, would love to spin it as racism. I don't think that that is the only answer. I have lived in Canada all my life. I have never abused anyone because of their race. I just don't do that. But I can tell you that my sons have been viciously attacked and beaten 
by First Nations people only because they were white. My kids, if they ever did that, they'd be in hot water. Now, they've grown up, and they have these memories. This is, this is fact. So, you know, if you want to talk about racism, guess what? It doesn't just happen on one side. There may be racism out there. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying is we need to stick to the facts, and we need to become more informed on these issues. And I personally don't see anything controversial about that. Simply learn more, read more, and... Uh, do better. So you dispute the findings then of the national inquiry into the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls is what you're saying? Well, I haven't completely gone through that yet. I have to read and study and learn more myself. But I know that you said yourself that high-risk lifestyle is a factor, so I was not misspeaking. That's not controversial. It's a fact of that inquiry. But, Phil, the factor, uh, or rather the controversial part of it, is reducing it to the fact that it's a high-risk lifestyle. Well, how do you do that? Well, you you are, sir, by suggesting that that, that's the reason, uh, well, what what are we going to do about it, which is essentially what you've been saying. No, I'm not part of the problem. I would actually like to be part of the solution. And what is that solution, sir? Well, I believe that, uh, number one, um, we have these, systems in place for example for dealing with homelessness for dealing with drug addiction and dereliction and they don't seem to be working very well every town has a population of homeless and addiction and i encourage people in addiction you know if you're seeing this if you're hearing this please reach out there's many resources available reach out for help and what i'm saying to people within the system we cannot just have a two-pronged approach. What I mean is what we have right now is we have harm reduction and drug replacement. This is exacerbating the problem. The third option must always be complete abstinence. Complete abstinence is the ultimate harm reduction model. That's all there is to it. If a person can simply stop putting drugs in their body and become healthy and become a productive member of society, they will be available to fill the many jobs that are available for them if they so choose, and they can have a good quality of life and and a good, long, healthy future with family and friends. And I welcome anyone from that walk of life, please, you know, step off the misery train and please do the right thing. Reach out for help. There are 12-step programs available for people who want them, if they want them, if they work for you. It's entirely up to the individual just try it before you discount it. And, uh, you know, this is one solution that I believe has been put on the back burner for far too long, and it could make a huge difference for people, all people, all across Canada, all across North America and around the world. And, in fact, I know it has and does work for many millions of people. So, so this is what I encourage. You know, I, I'm not just a person who can point to a problem. I'm a person who has ideas about a solution. And the fourth front, actually, there's a fellow, James McNair. He's one of the co-leaders of of the uh, party. Mm -hmm. And he has some very innovative ideas about homelessness and how to address it. Um, You know, it's it's worth a hear. It's worth learning about. And um, who knows? It could have some potential success. But, you know, I mean, if we keep doing the same thing and expecting different results, well, that is the pure definition, the raw definition of insanity. You're just making the same mistake over and over again. I'm saying we're not children. We know what doesn't work. 
let's try something that we know has worked. We've seen it work for some people. Maybe it won't work for all people, but where there are successes, those things should be accentuated. Those things should be recognized as potential solutions. And um, No, I, no, I apologize, I, Phil. Um, I just want to make sure I get uh, one more discussion in here, a bit about the direct democracy part of your party's platform, which is very interesting. Um, uh, I, I think so, too. I agree with you completely. What I want to know is you, if you get elected as an MP... What is the direct democracy part of your... Uh, how is it going to affect your job? What, what will you be doing well, differently as an MP from what uh, you generally see now because you guys believe sword. in direct democracy? I think it's a double-edged sword. My, my job actually would be made very easy in one sense because instead of waiting to be whipped by the uh, whip, you know, for the party leader's will, um, I would be being whipped by my... Uh, by the people who, who voted for me. Mm-hmm. I would be representing their views. 51% says I represent their view, regardless of my opinion. So if they, for example, didn't want a carbon tax, 51% say, no, we don't want that. Guess what? I represent that. Mm-hmm. And um, that would actually make my job tough in Ottawa because there's a lot of opposition in Ottawa. They, they really p- promote that. And I, th- I think it's very unfortunate because all it's done, all of our food in Canada, whether it's production, whether it's shipping to our grocery stores, is supplied by heavy equipment, big diesel trucks and, and tractors. And without gas and oil, Canada comes to a screeching halt. And there's this airy fairy chasing pixie dust idea that there's some alternative energy or safe alternative energy. And this needs to be investigated even further. Now, I encourage everybody to please, you have the internet. Don't just listen to the one narrative you're hearing. Look for the other side of the story. Look for what other people are presenting and consider all options before you make a final decision. Don't just take what CBC or CTV or Global News tells you. Think about it. Dig deeper and talk about it with other people. You know, um, I know farmers in this area who have 300 head. They have to put up 400 round bales every year at a cost of 60 to to $100 per bale, depending on availability and, and how good the growing year was, guess what? They either have to put that hay up themselves or they have to buy it. I don't, personally, I don't know how they do it. It's a very, very tough industry to be in. And the problem is, is uh, Americans south of us uh, in Mexico, they, don't not, they do not have these uh, wintering issues and costs. And the thing is, we have a thing called supply management, and um, I don't know how well that's working. Maybe it needs repairs, but I know there are people who are very opposed to it. But I'm saying that high energy costs for gas and oil translates to high food costs for Canadians. So if we can get rid of the high energy costs, like carbon tax. Now, this is my personal opinion. All right. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, Phil. We're, we're unfortunately going to have to leave it there. But again, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, talk with us today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, May I finish on one note? Very quickly. You have 30 seconds, Phil. Sure. The only thing I want from government is less of it. And uh, most people, I think, and I expect First Nations and uh, LGBTQ, I'm guessing, would just like the government to butt out of their lives. Just stay out of our lives and leave us alone. The government has no room in our bedrooms, no room in our panties or underwear. And guess what? If 
you say you don't want the government in your business, I represent your vote on any issue, all and any issue. So it's entirely up to you. Um, there's uh, The website is cffdirectdemocracy.com, and there is an example of exactly what I'm talking about with the legislative bills. You read the bill. If you click on it, the link opens. You can see it, and you vote yes or no on that bill. And there's some very controversial bills in there, and you would have a say on it. Instead of being treated like a child by government and being denied the ability to say anything about it, and quite often our parties do not represent us on these matters. All right, Phil. So I'm saying I would represent you. And you could fire me. You could kick my butt out the door. You could kick me to the curb if I'm not delivering. All right, well. And you could elect someone more effective. I'm sorry, Phil. We really have to let you go at this time. Thank All you right. so much. Well, you have a good day. Nice you too. To Take you care. Up. Thank you very much. That's Phil Hukin, the uh, representative of Canada's Fourth Front here in Peace River, uh, Prince George, Northern Rockies. We'll be right back with Amira Lavi of the Liberal Party right after this on Moose Talks. If you have $4, you could have Wendy's mouth watering bacon deluxe for lunch or dinner or both. Enjoy a quarter pound of fresh, never frozen Canadian beef topped with three strips of applewood smoked bacon, melted cheese, crisp lettuce, tomato, pickle, ketchup, mayo, and onion on a toasted bun, all for just $4. But it's only for a limited time, so get your bacon deluxe for just $4 before October 10th. Taxes extra, only at Wendy's in Fort St. John and Dawson Creek. Unlike the Trudeau Liberals, I know that Canada produces the most sustainable and environmentally responsible oil and gas in the world. I am proud to be a champion for our energy sector and the hundreds of thousands of Canadians it employs. Canada's recovery plan is our plan to secure the future and stand up for Canadian jobs and energy security at home and on the world stage. Only Canada's Conservatives are focused on securing our economic recovery. Secure the future, vote Conservative on September 20th, vote Bob Zimmer. Authorized by the official agent to re-elect Bob Zimmer. The North Peace Cultural Society is excited to present Canada's Ballet Jorgen Creations in Isolation on Thursday, September 30th at 7.30 p.m. This show will showcase exciting new works created virtually by these exceptional artists from their homes and communities across Canada. Don't miss Canada's fifth largest ballet company and the nation's only major ballet with a repertoire consisting exclusively of original works. Tickets for Canada's Ballet Jorgen Creations in Isolation on September 30th are available at tickets.npcc.bc.ca. One thing is for sure. Riggers get filthy, and Soap City Cleaning is in the business of making filth disappear. We provide industrial rags and wipes to oil field companies in the North Peace region, along with cleaning of coveralls, gloves, and any other oil field attire. Plus, with our pickup and delivery service, we have the most efficient turnaround times for even the busiest rigs. One thing we've never said is, that's too filthy. No job is too big or small at Soap City Cleaning. See for yourself on 95th Ave or online at soapcitycleaning at gmail.com. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Now to continue our coverage of the federal uh, candidates running in the federal election here in Prince George, Peace River and Northern Rockies. We're joined now by the liberal candidate, uh, Amir Alavi. Amir, thank you for being on Moose Talks today. Thank you so much, Dub. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Now, uh, first of all, of course, uh, Phil Hukin was just on. He uh, doubled down on some of the things he said at the end of the forum uh, that happened on Wednesday. I wanted to give you a moment to respond to some of the things he said, if you'd like. Sure. So, uh, unfortunately, the very last 
uh, moments of the debate uh, went to a rather racist direction. I uh, and I brought it up at that time. I my very first messaging at the you know the entire campaign was that we we actually have to come together and try to have a, a less polarized situation mm-hmm. with our. Uh, conversations around the the political issues. Point is, uh, we just have to have the the most basic foundation so we can build it up and have that uh, unity. So when uh, pretty much all the candidates except uh, Phil, you know, recognized that there there has been a, a systematic. Uh, racism uh, within our society, and we have to uh, deal with it in a more, uh, you know, constructive way. Uh, at that time, then you you're losing me. So, uh, and you know, reducing the contribution of uh, the the First Nations to just inventing canoes or uh, talking about that, you know, just reading one report, uh, which the basis of that is, you know, questioned many times. Uh, and say, there we go, you know, the reason that they are, uh, you know, they're dealing with those types of uh, hardness in their lives is because of uh, their risky lifestyle. So it's, it's just unconscionable, irresponsible, and quite frankly, racist. And uh, uh, I'm not ashamed or uh, I'm not uh, planning to retract uh the, the way that I described the situation, it was definitely a racist comment. And uh, it, as I said, you're, you're losing me when, you're, uh, when you're, in your, your analysis of the situation is that uh, naive, I would say. Okay. Well, Amir, I do also want to make sure we uh, talk about a few things in the liberal platform, of course. Um, I want to start Absolutely. with $10 a day child care. Uh, because uh, I'm a parent, and this one is very interesting to me and has been uh, for some time because uh, this first, I believe, came up with Paul Martin some 15 years ago. Um, yeah, the, the Stephen Harper government kind of scrapped the idea. It's come back uh, with uh, the current iteration of the Liber- Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau. I'm wondering what's different about this now and how how can we know that it's actually going to happen? Because this has been discussed seemingly off and on for the past 15 years and even longer. You're correct. You're, you're absolutely correct. There there has been many situations that we started, you know, building up on a, on a plan or on, a, on an idea. And because of various reasons, uh, we're missing it. Uh, to this point, for example, one of them is the $10 <clears throat> a day for the child care and also uh, pharmacare. And most of the time, our brothers and sisters on the NDP side, they just keep pushing the same narrative and expecting that, uh, you know, people are for- forgetting what happened uh, back in 2000s, for example, for the pharmacare, mm-hmm. uh, that they were the reason that, the you know, the, the plan just didn't go through. Uh, but right now, uh, with the $10 a day uh, childcare, what's happening is that right now, with the contracts that uh, the Liberal Party has uh, signed uh, as the government, uh, it's basically reducing the cost right now by 50%. That shows that we're in the you know right direction. And uh, by 2026, if I'm not mistaken, that's the date or the year that the $10 uh, 
a day childcare uh, will be actually, you know, implemented and, you know, everybody will have access to it uh, for sure. So that's something that actually Jagmeet Singh recognized in so many of his, uh, you know, interviews and uh, news conferences that that's actually a very good step uh, toward uh, providing more support for our parents. And to be honest with you, the, the very basic thing is that we need our population to grow. And one of the ways is, you know, definitely uh, immigration. I'm an immigrant and I'm proud of it. Uh, but the more or the less costly situation is that if the government can support our own uh, local here uh, and our own uh, population, Canadian citizen, uh, to uh, increase the population for us, and that would be the best more and the most effective and less costly uh, uh, program, let's say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Amir, I want to move on to uh, kind of the energy portfolio. Um, as you know, in uh, Northeast BC, lots of oil and gas development. And uh, and I know it's kind of ancient history here, but of course, lots of mistrust of the Liberal Party uh, based upon past, perceived past instances where uh, the energy pro- uh, portfolio was mishandled in some people's minds and whatnot. Essentially, I want to know, what can you say to... You know, make people feel better about the liberal plan, and 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 make people say that it's probably it, it could be the best one there is. What? Why? Why is it the best option? And why should people uh, here in the Northeast put their trust in the Liberals to support them uh, when they're when you're openly saying we're moving away from a fossil fuel based economy? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's a very fair uh, question and a valid concern for. Uh, people uh, up in, you know, northern BC. And uh, there are a couple of factual things that we have to uh, focus on. Number one is I suggest people to go and read the the rulings of uh, the court regarding uh, the Northern Gateway pipeline. One of the most basic things that was missing and the reason that the court uh, ruled uh, the, the basically the disapproval of the plan uh, was that the timing was just rushed and it was not consulted with so many of the uh, you know stakeholders including the indigenous people so in their writing they actually mentioned that even if it was about like four months, of time for those communities that the court would have been fine with it. Uh, right now, we're dealing with a situation where uh, when we are around the table, when people, the decision makers around the table uh, are there, unfortunately, our representative is not there to uh, to bring these concerns uh up, up in there. And one of the things that I realized as one of my learnings in this campaign is that uh, when you're just sitting uh, far, far away from the realities of the ground, uh, that, you know, you say that, you know, we, we have to just move away from uh, fossil fuel industry, you don't know to what extent this actually will affect uh, people's lives and, you know, livelihood, uh, quite frankly, in uh Places like uh, Fort St. John as one of the hubs of uh, oil and gas industry in BC. So you have to have that understanding uh, 
in a in a in a real world, so we can actually have a better talk on this. So, uh, my quite frankly, if I want to be very honest with you, is that uh, at some point, it's not because of the Liberal Party, it's not because of quite frankly, if the Conservatives come or whoever comes, the demand in the future will decrease on the oil and gas, and we have to make sure that our uh, population can actually support themselves in a more, uh, in, a, in, a, in an industry or through an industry that is more supportive uh, toward that lifestyle and toward that life that they, uh, you know, used to enjoy. So I think we have to go toward a more uh, futuristic, let's say, uh, industries that can support us. For example, one of the situations that I can think our region can actually invest heavily in is the agriculture industry so that we can have the very first steps toward a more uh, sustainable food supply chain. And this can actually be uh, Canada's you know, leverage across the world because of the climate change that we are experiencing. So that's one of the things that I think that if, uh, if we accept the reality of climate change, which is there, if we accept that we have to do something about it, then there is an opportunity there within that threat. And I want to invest in that opportunity. And best thing that we can do is to bring more leverage to the Canadian economy, to the Canadian politics uh, globally with investment in industries like agriculture, ocean, and uh, protecting our oceanways as well. So in that way, for sure, we'll have a better situation. All right. Uh, I, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Amir. My apologies. I'm, just, I'm done, actually. <laughs> well, fair enough, then. One final question for you. We've only got about a minute left with you, so I just want to know, sure. why should we vote for you? What uh, What's the benefit of giving you your vote, or our votes, I should say? Yes, that's a very good question. And the, the very first thing is that uh, see what your concerns are. The very first thing that I would say is that right now we had Bob Zimmer in a conservative government and a liberal government. See what the results are. Are they satisfying for you? I think it's actually the time for Bob Zimmer uh, to just come back home and have a new voice, a new perspective there. Uh, I talked to so many of the uh, you know candidates there, and every time that I brought up an issue that I really wanted uh, you know Bob to actually have a conversation on this, he just brushed it off, and that means that he's not actually ready to be challenged, and I'm quite frankly not sure what he's been doing for the past 10 years. I will bring uh, I, you know, more listening and more hearing uh, for our uh, community. I'll make sure that whatever decision I'm making and the government makes, uh, I'll bring transparency to that. I want to make sure that our people are aware of the decisions there in a, in a different perspective, uh, so one of the commitments that I've made earlier in my, uh, uh, you know, campaign was that every 60 days I will have, a, you know, a, conference, a news conference or whatever uh, on an Insta Live uh, that I can provide more uh, thoughtful talks on what had happened, you know, during the time in Ottawa. And I want people to, uh, you know, have their talk in that as well. I want to have this dialogue. And I'm not going to block anyone, definitely, so that I can hear hear them as well. And I want to be the voice uh, that, you know, represent the realities on the ground. Uh, 
that's happening here up in northern BC uh, in Ottawa. And unfortunately, that has not been done uh, in the past 10 years of Bob Zimmer. So that's why you have to vote for me. All right, Amir. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're very welcome. That's Amira Lavi, the Liberal Party candidate in our riding. We'll be right back to talk to Catherine Kendall of the Green Party right after this on Moose Talks. Hello. I'm the voice in your head. Sometimes I'm here. Sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I tell you to get your light towers from TNT Communications. Why do you need them? I don't know. You're the genius, not me. But when you need cell boosters, UTVs, cell phones, two-way radios, and more, you go to TNT Communications just off the Alaska Highway. Why? Because they're not just your bell source of the north. They're just awesome. Now, you go get them. You champion you. TNT Communications, just off the Alaska Highway or on Facebook. The North Peace Leisure Pool has a variety of activities and programs happening throughout the year. This month, there's plenty happening at the pool for the whole family. Here's what's coming up. The North Peace Leisure Pool reminds you that their annual shutdown will start September 6th. Swimming lessons for fall 2021 are currently open for registration online or by phone. See you on October 4th. For the full schedule of programs and activities at the North Peace Leisure Pool, visit the city's website at fortstjohn.ca. If you're looking for hassle-free internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit pris.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Welcome back to the show. Now we're joined with our, pardon me, joined by our final candidate running for uh, the seat uh, in Prince George Peace River, Northern Rockies. Uh, Catherine Kendall of the Green Party joins us now. Catherine, thanks for making some time for us today. Thank you. Good morning. All right. I want to talk uh, about some things on the platform uh, that Green Parties have uh, produced for this election. Um, the Green Party, I think... I think it's a fair statement to say that this uh, platform seems to be a tough one to swallow in general in the piece, given how much uh, we seem to depend on fossil fuel investment for uh, econ- as an economic driver up here. So my question to you to start off is, how does the Green Party proposing uh, that we move to a more sustainable energy economy, which is one of the stated goals of the Green Party, of course, and support the transition for families and workers in places like the Peace in Northeast BC, who seem to depend on the fossil fuel economy so much? Fabulous question, and I get the hard-to-swallow piece. I'm I'm still wrapping my head around how we have to change everybody's lives because climate change is um, is there at our front doorstep. Um, so the green the Green Party is is um, working towards what's called a Just Transition Act before the end of 2021 that takes mm-hmm. care of workers and communities during this transition. So so planning for a fair and carefully planned transition of workers towards a decarbonized economy that protects communities from displacement, and it also affects affecting the economy and workers. So workers in greenhouse gas intensive industries, indigenous peoples, marginalized communities are leading the preparation of this transition strategy. So we're not just creating broad sweeping changes. We're making sure that everyone is included because this is this is a huge shift for us overall. So replacing every high-paying fossil fuel sector job with a high-paying green sector job through wage insurance, retraining programs, and early retirement plans. 
reducing wealth inequality in Canada that we've spoken to in regards to, you know, tax haven shelters and loopholes. Um, introducing laws that incentivize green investments and the creation of green jobs, such as sustainable transport and energy efficiency. And decentralizing unsustainable investments, such as raising taxes on environmentally harmful goods and services. Investing in the clean tech sector and the renewable energy, which will create more and higher paying jobs than those lost in the fossil fuel industry. Okay. Um, another part, part of the platform that I wanted to talk to you about that I also found very interesting was rural revitalization. Now, I, I was curious about what kind of those investments look like exactly in, in terms of revitalizing rural communities in Canada. Because I think as the platform says, there's a lot of people who still live in rural Canada, and this country needs our rural communities in order to survive. So what is the Green Party going to do to revitalize rural communities, that, such as even ones that are uh, in and around Fort St. John? Um, well, I certainly don't see the 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 title rural revitalization as a um as a term that states that we're going to move in a different direction Mm -hmm. it's about bridging um where we are in our rural communities and building that capacity that we require so we've seen with covid that our small businesses are the ones that are failing the most and so those are the ones that we have to assist and raise the bar on and so in communities like um, mckenzie or fort st john where they're impacted by our resource sectors that are potentially at risk of shifting then we have to provide that free education we have to provide you know the opportunities when they're coming out of high school so that there are opportunities for them to stay at home and in place and build the businesses that they feel that they have strengths in supporting them creating that local industry around agriculture making sure that we have food in our local neighborhoods as opposed to relying on communities that are going to be drought ridden Um, we'll start to see this fall that you know we're we're trying to get produce from california and strawberries at christmas time that these prices are going to skyrocket there's um catastrophes happening all over this planet and they're going to impact us in our fridges you know at our supermarkets and within our communities so that rural revitalization is Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.